Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I'm excited about this message today. I really do believe that God is going to use His Word today to challenge something in my own life. Like for real, when I preach, I believe that God is going to speak to me and I believe he's going to speak to you as well. I wonder if maybe more than typical, if you would, can you just give this your focus over the next few minutes? Maybe more than you have typically done. Turn that volume up just a little extra and uh, get your heart prepared because I think Jesus is going to speak to you and that would be the greatest miracle. If no matter where we're gathering from today, where we're watching from, God was using his word to speak directly to my heart and your heart all at the same time. That's the miracle I expect every Sunday. Can we pray for that today? Jesus, I'm asking right now that you would use your word to speak to my heart. Challenge me, change me, make me more like you. I pray for each one of my friends who's watching right now, God, speak to us, challenge us, change us, make us more like you. In your name we pray. And everyone said amen. Give me an amen in the chat. Okay, I'm excited today. I've always enjoyed observation. I know that's kind of a dumb thing to say, but, but go with me on this. I've enjoyed just taking in the world around me and all of the, the funniness, all of the colors, all of the, the, the sounds, the sights, the smells. Uh, today I saw someone wearing a full-on Scottish kilt. And uh, they weren't on their way to any sort of ceremony or anything. It was head-to-toe regalia. And I, I drove by and I just thought, I wonder what their story is. You know, each of us, we observe the world around us. And I think it sort of reaffirms the season that we're in or the thing that we care about most based on the observations that we make. For instance, my, my son Zion, he's almost three. And right now... His observations that he makes, he just has to state them. No matter what they are, whatever he's seeing, he's saying what he's seeing. So we're driving and we see a statue and he goes, that's a statue. It is. He's a learner. Right now in this season of learning, every observation, he is relating to the thing he cares about most, which is learning to articulate uh, what he's observing in the world around him. And then, then for others of us, there's different seasons where some people observe with the lens of nostalgia. Everything that they take note of is reminding them of something that's already happened. The person who goes, oh, that right there, that reminds me of this. And this experience, that reminds me of this one time. This, this is a great story I want to tell you about. And it harkens back to something that we've experienced in, in the past. For different ones of us, we observe things differently. Comedians, some of my favorite comedians are those who just have observational humor. They're looking at the world around them and they're saying, this thing that everyone noticed, can we just stop and take note of how funny that thing is right there? Some of the greatest humor is simply observing what the world is like around us. In fact, right now I've been enjoying watching and observing this one interaction that takes place when, uh, when people get to an elevator. Right now during this pandemic and the restrictions that are, are in place in different buildings, watching the showdown between the person who's already in the elevator and the one who's wanting to get on. And like there's room, they can be distance, there's no rules around the, the, the restrictions, and yet it's, it's like an old country and western, at least that's the way my mind perceives it, like that. 
And it's like a showdown where the person's going, I don't want another human in this elevator for safety. And someone else is going, oh no, we're good, we're good. And you're just watching the observation take place and I'm finding humor in it at least. Or, or they're those, those people who just carry a mask in their hand and then they're, they're walking down the hall and they're coming towards someone that they think I should be wearing a mask and so they're trying to get it on and around their ears. I've been that person a few times. It's just funny that the new things that have become a normal that we observe and how humorous it is in the world around us. Do you know what we observe, it says something about what we value the most. The, the learner is observing things that are new to them. The nostalgic person is observing things that they remember. The, the comic is observing things that are, are funny. And then there's, there's people like Jesus. Jesus, the teacher, he's constantly observing things taking place around him and using them to teach a lesson. Using those observations to help create almost like a hook that we can, we can hang a truth on. I always think Jesus, when he tells a story, he's like, hey, I don't want you to forget this. And so I'm just going to create for you a little hook so you remember this moment. If we're not careful, we read through the scripture and we think, yeah, it's just a bunch of, a bunch of stories. Jesus shared a bunch of thoughts. But you need to stop for a minute. When he was talking to his disciples about being fishers of men, they could smell the sea. They could smell the fish that had just been caught. When he was talking about being a good shepherd, I'd venture to say they could hear sheep in the background. When he's talking about bread, they had to be eating bread at the time. And so I'm going, oh, this bread is so delicious. And Jesus is going, yes, that bread's delicious and I'm the bread of life. I want you to know and relate to me in a significant way. And so his observations are constantly for our edification. And what is it that he's mostly trying to teach? Well, he's mostly trying to teach how we relate to him. All of Jesus' stories are about how who he is and who we are in relationship to him. Jesus is all about defining the relationship. Now, this is a whole different message. But right now, if you're in a relationship and you don't know what kind of relationship it is, define that thing. Okay, someone's sitting on a couch with someone right now going, Pastor Justin, why did you do this to me? But for real, I heard someone the other day be asked, so are you dating anyone? And they were like, um, uh, well, and it was like, they were asked, can you just quote to me everything that Galileo ever wrote? It was like the hardest question that they ever had been asked because they hadn't given it definition. Define that thing. It's good for you. But Jesus, he's constantly defining his relationship with us. I love that he's not teaching lessons about religious ordinances. He's not looking for opportunities to, to shove some more uh, you know, rules down our throat, anything like that. Everything Jesus is doing, all that he's doing is about, I want you to know who I am and then who you are in relationship to me. Because if you see Jesus for who he is, everything changes. That's why here at Vivid, our, our mission, our, our vision, our goal, everything that we're about, is reflecting the light of Jesus' life for all to see. If people see Jesus for who he is, we've done our part. And then Jesus has the power to change lives. I love that his observations are for our advantage and not for his. He never teaches a lesson that, that makes no sense to his disciples and goes, well, you wouldn't understand. He's always going, do you get it? Can you catch this application? Today, today I'm going to show you a story and I hope you get it. And I'm going to ask you, are you getting this? Are you, are you understanding this? Because preaching is not just about information transfer. It's about application. How do I put that into practice? 
Speaking of observation, just today I was walking and I, I saw this couple, they had a pit bull with them and their pit bull only had three legs. And uh, you've probably seen a dog in the past at some point that had just three legs. And you know there's a certain cadence to the way they walk, but they're, they're, they're managing quite all right. And they were walking and they had their dog. And then there was this other guy about 50 feet away. And he just said, hey, that's a three-legged dog. And it didn't phase them. They didn't stop. They just kept walking with their three-legged dog. And he was almost like indignant. He's like, hey, hey. That's a three-legged dog. Imagine if they're like, whoa, bro, I never knew. We lost his leg somewhere. Like, of course they knew it was a three-legged dog. And eventually, out of just some kindness, they looked and nodded and went, yeah. yeah. And that was the, the whole interaction. That was someone making an observation that was only for their own purpose. This guy, for some reason, thought everyone should know that he was observant enough to notice that there was only three legs on that pit bull. But Jesus' observations are always for us. So I want to tell you this story today. It's probably the most poetic, beautiful picture that I, I think that Jesus gives of who he is in relationship to us. And as he gives it, there's going to be things you go, I've kind of heard that before. That makes sense to me. Or I've, I've pondered this idea before. But if you could picture with me the setting. Imagine the setting they were in that made this observation come to life. It comes out of John 15. I'm going to read quite a significant chunk of scripture. I want you just to listen to it. And if you could imagine with me the environment they were in and let it sort of sink in on that level. John 15, chapter one, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the words that I've spoken to you remain in me and I'll also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. And it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father. I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command love each other. Jesus is speaking and history would say just a, you know moments before you know hours before he would sacrifice his life the region they were in was known for its vineyards known for its its vines that had branches and upon those branches were grapes that became incredible wine that was the region they were in but if you can imagine with me maybe a, a grape vine is not something you're really familiar with just picture a tree with me 
Jesus is, is drawing a conclusion or a picture as they walk through this vineyard or walk through this orchard and there's bees sort of buzzing around, pollinating things, and maybe someone's picking a piece of fruit off of a tree and they're observing life and vitality all around them. And Jesus is saying, this is a perfect moment for me to give you a picture. Make an observation that you'll never forget because it's bold and it's, it's, it's full of life. He goes, guys, I am like the tree trunk and you're the branches. And, and God the Father who, who sent me, who I love, who loves me, he's the gardener. He's got a plan for this whole relationship. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says he's the true vine. Often Israel was referred to as the vine. Jesus goes, yeah, nationality is, that's one thing, but I'm the true vine. Connection to me is more important than just pedigree. It's more important than just history. You can't say you're connected to God's purposes just because you grew up in the right family. In the same way, you can't say you're disconnected because you grew up in the wrong family. You're connected to me by me. And so in this picture, he gives multiple little moments or lessons that I think we can draw from. And today, I just want to highlight a few of them that stand out to me. If Jesus is the vine and if I'm the branches, the first one is this. He speaks about pruning. Right at the beginning of this passage, he goes, I'm the vine and you're the branches. My father's the gardener and every branch that is fruitful, he prunes. I want you to know that God has the authority and the mandate and the purpose in our life to prune us. And the purpose of that pruning is that we could be more fruitful. Now, maybe you've been around Christians who have described pruning as every hardship they've ever faced. Maybe you've been that Christian. Every time something hard happens, they're like, well, the Lord's just pruning me. Probably not. The reality is sometimes we go through hard things because we made mistakes. I've been there. You've been there. Sometimes we go through hard things because other people have made mistakes. I've been there. You've been there. Sometimes we go through hard things just because life is hard. Like hardness, difficulty, uh, uh, struggle, that's not what pruning is. The Bible says that pruning comes from his word. It's God's word that prunes us. God doesn't passive-aggressively send hard things to our life to force us into growth. He actually speaks clarifying truth that cuts off what needs to go in our life to make us more fruitful. Did you catch what Jesus said? He goes, every branch that's fruitful, the gardener prunes, so it will be more fruitful. You're already clean because of the words I have spoken. It's God's word that prunes us. It's actually submission to the word of God where we say my life is not my own. I'm submitted to God's truth. And when he speaks through his word, I align my life to what he said. That's the pruning that takes place in our life. God doesn't send hard things your way to constrain you into fruitfulness. He speaks clearly the truth in love so that we can make changes. So when he said to James and John, you are, you're doing the wrong thing right now. You keep comparing and competing and trying to be known as the greater. The greatest in God's kingdom is a servant. It was his words pruning them. And saying, the, the more you, you pour energy into that way of thinking, you are growing in an unproductive direction. Let me cut that off right now. When he speaks to his disciples and they see a blind man, they go, Jesus, this blind guy right here, did he sin or did his parents? He goes, no, no, no. That's not the way things work in my kingdom. Let me prune that off. That's not the way God judges people. He doesn't send hardships their way as a, a means of condemnation. 
that, that what he's walking through is actually a platform to show my glory. His words were pruning areas of their life off that if they were to give energy would grow them in an unproductive way. That's what pruning is. It's God loving us enough to cut off the areas of our life that are unproductive and just pulling energy from us. So when Jesus says to the, the religious people who are around him, I know you've thought that all God is looking for is outward activity. And so you said, I didn't murder anyone. I must be awesome. He's like, that's not what God means by the Ten Commandments. What, he, what he's looking for is heart intent. So I'm saying this to you. Don't even hate your brother in your heart. Get your heart right. So Jesus, by his word, is clarifying and pruning. You see, what happens if a tree is left uncared for and untended, it will grow incredibly. It'll just grow unproductively. I've got a hedge out front of my house, and this hedge is about maybe four feet high. But if I leave it unattended for an entire summer, it grows to about eight feet high. The issue is that that hedge, which pur is purposed to create a divide, the, the new growth is spindly, it's unproductive, it's un unwielding, it's just kind of going in its own direction and it's no longer fulfilling its purpose. In the same way, a fruit tree, if left untended, will grow immense in size and with its immensity will become less and less productive. So many of us, that's the way we're living right now. We're, we're letting our life, we just throw energy after whatever seems the easiest. We grow in the path of least resistance. And then there's the word of God coming along, providing some clarifying cuts to our life. Cutting deep and, and helping aim us and shift us. Why? So we can be more productive. So let me ask you the question, when was the last time God's word cut deep? When was the last time you let God's word prune you? You let God speak and gave platform to the word of God in your life to change your course of action. If the word of God hasn't challenged or changed your course of action in a while, you might not be doing it right. Jesus says God's desire, the gardener's desire is that you would be engaged in this fruitfulness endeavor. And unless you're pruned, you won't have that opportunity. When Jesus says you've already been cleaned by my words, the word clean meant pruned. It's like the gardener looks at a tree and goes, I got to clean this thing up. It's kind of getting, it's going crazy. It's going out of line. For some of us, our life has just kind of gone in all sorts of directions. We're getting pulled and energy is being pulled and resources being pulled in every direction. And then God's word comes and says, can I just cut that and eliminate that and shape this a bit? Like if you can actually follow my commands, like Jesus says, if, you, if you're my friends, then you're going to do what I say. If you can obey my commands, what will take place in your life will be more productivity. When's the last time you let God's word cut deep? Second thing he speaks of is prayer. Do you notice all throughout there, he, he's talking about fruitfulness, but then he keeps on dropping these little things like, and then if you do that and you remain in me and I remain in you, you ask the father and he, he'll bless you. He'll, he'll answer. In fact, he, he culminates this whole thing in, uh, in verse... 16, he said, you didn't choose me, choose me, I chose you. So you might go bear fruit, fruit that lasts. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What Jesus is speaking of is this connectivity of a branch to its source. You see, sap starts in the roots, comes up the trunk, and then is provided to the, the branches that it extends to. And there's a free flow of nutrition, a free flow of information from root to trunk to to branch. And Jesus says this, if you remain in me, there's this free flow so that everything that's in me is in you. And everything that you're going through, I'm going through with you. So, so why is it that you would 
have prayers that are answered because you'll be praying prayers. You know, for some of us, we've grown in our faith perhaps, but we're not growing in prayer. I don't know that the way we're growing is productive unless prayer is the outflow. Now, for some, you're going, I'm not very good at praying because I never know when to say thee, when to say henceforth, and when to say thou. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. You say, man, I'm not very good at praying because I haven't memorized very many prayers. That's not the type of prayer I'm talking about. Both of those things can be prayer, but it's a very, 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 very narrow definition of prayer. Prayer is communication with God. He says, if you remain in me, then I remain in you. And there's this free flow of my spirit. Everything that's within me is within you. And everything that you're going through, I'm going through. We're in this thing together. And so prayer is ultimately just allowing Jesus to be a part of your life. If you and I are living in such a way where we go, oh my God, my whole life is yours, except my relationships, back off. Well, we're actually saying I'm a branch that doesn't need the resource that comes from the vine. Oh God, my whole life is yours, except for my career, that's on me, I got that. We're saying I'm a branch that can do this tree thing by myself, but we can't. We need God in every aspect. So let me challenge you this week, pray about everything. You go, oh, I don't want to get too spiritual. Impossible to be too spiritual because the spirit of God is the seal that actually seals us for salvation. God's spirit is alive and vibrant within you. And if you remain in Jesus, then he remains in you. If you hold on to Jesus, then he's holding on to you. And there is this connectivity that takes place. So bring it to the Lord in prayer, whatever that might be. Bring it to God in prayer. So he speaks of pruning. When's the last time you let God's word cut deep? He speaks of prayer. When's the last time you just included Jesus, knowing that everything that's within him is available to you and everything that you're going through, he's in it with you. And number three, he speaks of perseverance. Perseverance. It's this word that comes up over and over and over and over, remain. This word, remain. Uh, It's translated in other translations as the word abide. It ultimately means to stay. It means to continue. It means to hold on. When I was young in church, we used to sing this song. It was abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Love, joy, peace, faith, he has made them mine. I have prosperity, power, and victory. Abiding, abiding in the vine. Kind of a funny, cheesy song, but such truth. Everything that Jesus has He wants to share with us. So he goes, remain in me. Just keep holding on. You see, this is what perseverance looks like. A branch can only receive the benefit of being part of the tree if it keeps holding on. And when bad weather comes, a branch's job is simply to hold on. And when drought comes, a branch's job is simply to hold on. And in in a harvest season, a branch's job is just to keep on holding on. And in a pruning season, a branch's job, instead of getting discouraged, oh, look at all the growth that's coming off. No, just hold on to the tree. There's, there's all the resource you need there. A branch's job is just holding on. Your job, my responsibility, is simply to keep on holding on to Jesus. So he repeats it over and over and over and just keeps saying, can we look at it at a different angle? Like this branch right here, this branch is not worried about fruit. This branch is just holding on to the the, the source. Do you see that? And now let's look at this branch over here. This branch is not worried about what any other branch is doing. This branch right here is simply holding on. And if you need to, this branch right here, yeah, it's shorter. 
That one's longer. This has more fruit. That has less fruit. But they are all focused on simply holding on. You know, Jennifer and I, for a season with our family, we lived in Los Angeles. And when we moved there, we were looking for a specific type of house. It had to be the right size and ideally in the right kind of commutable uh, distance. And then, of course, the right budget. As is the case with most house hunting endeavors, the budget ends up dictating the size and the commutability. And so we ended up living a little further than we thought we might and in a little smaller place than we thought we might because it's what we could afford. And so we found this little house in a neighborhood called Encino. And from the front, it was a beautiful, quaint little house. But then we came around the back and the backyard was this beautiful oasis. There was a little swimming pool, which for Canadians is just mind-blowing that we'd have access to a swimming pool in the, the middle of the summer, which is kind of all year round. And, uh, and then it also had these fruit trees, an incredible orange tree. And then this lemon tree that was packed down with fruit. Like you looked in the backyard, like that's a green tree, another green tree, another green tree, because all trees are green, except for that one. That tree is simply bright yellow because every possible branch, it just seemed to be like full of fruit. It's amazing that that fruit tree, like it continued to produce fruit, it seemed almost all year round. And when I went up and observed the tree, I never, never for a moment thought this branch must be the trunk's favorite branch. It just, like it's just not a thought you think of with trees. The tree is a system in and of itself and, and all of the branches contribute to the entirety of the tree's health. In the same manner, you're a branch and I'm a branch. And Jesus doesn't play favorites with his branches. The gardener prunes all of us so we can all be maximized in our ability to bear fruit. And guess what? When I pulled lemons from that tree, I never went along and said, you're such a good branch. Good job. You just don't think that way because a tree is simply doing what a tree was designed to do. And as a gardener, I said this whole tree is healthy. But know what happened? When I brought uh, fruit to the office and I'd say, hey guys, we have more lemons than we know what to do with. I know when life gives you lemons, you're supposed to make lemonade, but I've drank enough lemonade. Guess what happened? People said, oh wow, you're amazing. You're incredible. Somehow I got, got thanked for the productivity of that tree. In the same way, Jesus is saying, if you persevere and you hold on, guess what happens? You actually result in the health of this whole tree and this tree gives glory to the Father. That's the win for all of us. If we persevere, God gets the glory. If we persevere, God gets the strength. Uh, or, or gets the, the win, you could say. Now check this. When I went and I'd pick lemons off this tree, I, I, I kind of observed it. I never noticed any of the branches straining to grow any sort of fruit. Like, like you didn't come over to that tree and see a branch going, like, I'm such a loser. I haven't produced enough lemons. Oh! Finally, some fruit. Like, like no tree in the world has ever done that. No branch has ever strained to grow something. But I've seen a lot of Christians who are straining to bear fruit. I think it's a misunderstanding of what fruitfulness is. A lot of Christians who are straining. Oh, my life has got to be more effective. And, and ultimately, our job is just hold on to the trunk. Just hold on to Jesus. There's hub leaders right now. You're going, oh, I want my hub to grow. It's got to grow. Oh, it's that straining sound. And... Like, like, just hold on to Jesus and, and let God's word prune you and keep on praying 
And as you persevere through good seasons and bad seasons, fruit will be the result. And the fruit wasn't about you anyway, it was about God. It's not just fruit, it's much fruit. It's not just much fruit, it's lasting fruit. So don't worry about it. Just hold on to Jesus. There's a lot of us right now in our, our giftedness or in our family or in our business, we're straining. Oh, I want my life to show how awesome I am by, by, by growing and bearing fruit. That's just not what fruit was ever for. Fruit is for the gardener, not the, not the tree and not the branches. The tree and the branches, their job is just to remain in one another. Is that, is that good? Are you getting this? It's perseverance. So pruning comes from God's word. Prayer is that open, free flow. The spirit, perseverance is saying, just hold on. For some, that's the only word you need to land on today is I will not let go of Jesus. I'm going to hold on to Jesus. No matter what comes, I'm holding on. In the hard times, I'm going to hold on. When I'm being pruned, I'm holding on. When I'm being fruitful, I'm holding on. I'm not going to get distracted by what I'm going through. Number four, Jesus speaks of potential. Now you might have heard it a moment ago. I lost a piece of fruit. Okay, a lot of this is about, about potential. It's about fruit, the production of fruit. It's about productivity that your life and my life would ultimately bear fruit. But the fruit is not just for our enjoyment. The fruit, like I said, is for the, the Father's glory. And the fruit has incredible potential. Anyone like a good piece of fruit? Throw in the chat right now what your favorite fruit is. For some, you're going to have a hard time not saying an apple just because you're seeing one. And not only this is an apple, this is an apple called the delicious apple, which I think is probably the most cocky of all the fruits, that it just puts itself out there like, I'm delicious, okay? But it is a pretty pretty delicious apple. Hmm. It's juicy. For all the ASMR fans, here you go, one more bite. Mmm. Delicious. I enjoy fruit. But in the kingdom of God, fruit is not for our enjoyment. Fruit gives glory to the Father. And fruit has incredible potential. You know, this fruit could be enjoyed for a moment and then forgotten. But inside, if you see right here, inside this delicious apple, there's some seeds. And in each one of those seeds is not another piece of fruit. And each one of those seeds is the potential for another tree. John was reading some apple trees will produce up to 500 apples a year for up to 40 years. Meaning every one of the seeds inside of this apple has the potential to grow 20,000 more apples. Say to the person beside you, if you're with someone, how about them apples? Like for real, 20,000 apples in every seed. Think of the incredible exponential potential that exists in every piece of fruit that was hanging off a branch once upon a time that was connected to a tree that was being tended for, to by a gardener. Your life has incredible fruit, but that fruit is not for your enjoyment. No branch looks out at the fruit and goes, wow, I'm amazing. My fruit is awesome. The fruit is not about the branch. The branch's job is just receiving nourishment. But the result here, the Bible says, is you'll bear fruit. Not just any fruit, much fruit. Not just much fruit, lasting fruit. Not just much lasting fruit, but much lasting fruit that brings glory 
to the Father. Why? Because it has the power to impact the lives of people around us. Why is it so important that you let yourself be pruned so you can produce fruit? Why is it so important that you remain connected to Jesus in prayer so that in receiving what you need from God, you'll bear more fruit? Why is it so important that you persevere and don't let go? Because a branch isn't a tree. A branch apart from the tree can't produce anything. There's some people right now, you're tempted to disconnect relationally from God's house. Disconnect relationally from, from Jesus' uh, church, the thing that he's doing on the planet. Don't do that. You can't be a branch that thinks it's a tree. It'll never produce the type of fruit it needs to produce. Stay connected to Jesus. Just hold on to Jesus. And the potential in your life is beyond what you could ever imagine. Apple trees produce fruit for about 40 years, but some can live up to 200 years. Imagine a seed that is inside one piece of fruit that falls on the ground, is blown away, is, is fertilized and begins to grow and eventually grows into fruitfulness. The, the branch of the, the first tree may never see the result, but you trust in the potency and the potential of the seed in the same manner, the fruit of your life, the love the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control that you develop as the Spirit of God flows in and through your life, that fruit can change the world. I, I think the city of Vancouver could be absolutely changed by the potential that exists in the people watching right now. The city of Toronto could be turned up on, on its head by the potential of the people who are watching now. Wherever you are, your community, your workplace, your neighborhood, your household could be absolutely eternally changed by the power of the fruit in your life. That's why it's worth being pruned. That's why it's worth praying. That's why it's worth holding on. That's why we need to get a bigger vision for our life than just growth. You can grow and never be fruitful, but your fruit will always lead to exponential multiplied growth. So Jesus speaks of pruning, speaks of prayer. He speaks of persevering. He speaks of potential. I'm sure we could go on all sorts of other P words he provides and all those things. But let me give you one more, okay? One more. He also gives us a practice, a simple practice that we can engage in. In fact, he culminates this whole teaching, this whole observation as they're walking through a vineyard or walking through an orchard and they're hearing the bees buzz and they're smelling the fruit and they're seeing the blossoms. And as he's walking through, he says, there's a lot I want you to learn about this, but here's where I want it to end. Here's the command I'm giving you, love each other. I believe today, for the purpose of this message, that loving one another is like the seed inside the apple. Love has the potential to change the world. So, let's practice love. And, and, and get this, there is genetic makeup within this seed that determines that seed will produce the same type of tree. Meaning this, that, that inside of an apple, there isn't the power to, to grow a pear tree. It's not the power for a watermelon plant. It's, it's the power for an apple tree. In the same manner, if we're going to have seeds of God's love, we need to love the way God's loved. Meaning this, we don't define what love looks like. Love speaks the truth. So truth and love are intricately connected. If we're going to practice the steps of the seeds of love and placing love in the lives of the people around us, we need to speak the truth. Love is not just niceness. Love is truth. Love is sacrificial. Jesus says in the same way the fathers love me, in the same way I'm loving you, I want you to love each other. It's sacrificial love. It's enduring love. It's eternal love. It's unconditional love. 
If you're following with me right about now, you know that we can't do that sort of thing just by effort. We can't love people just out of good intention. We really do need God's nourishment, his spirit flowing through us. If the natural outflow of my life or your life would be a seed that has the potential to grow into eternal life in someone else's heart. But good news, if we remain in Jesus, that will be the result. Apart from him, in effort alone, we can do nothing. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.